This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. It's time for Tuesday Terror here on the Mutual Audio Network. Be sure to leave the lights on while you listen. The following audio drama is rated R and is recommended restricted for anyone under the age of 17. We know it can be tough waiting month to month between episodes of post-apocalyptic nightmare. So we wanted to recommend another great show, 13. 13 is a podcast that tells slow burn, atmospheric, spooky stories, releasing on the 13th of each month. These are original stories, only found on 13. Not Reddit classics or creepypastas. Less Friday the 13th and more Haunting of Hill House. You'll find yourself immersed in an eerie universe of the supernatural, occult, and of course, a haunted house or two. Search 13, the word, not the number, wherever you listen to podcasts. Now, without further ado, join us as we jump back into our main story with Episode 7 of Post-Apocalyptic Nightmare. Welcome to the Agonal Dreams Podcast, Season 1, Episode 7 of Post-Apocalyptic Nightmare. This audio theater features some situations that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Chapter 7, Water Games. and Jenny drove in complete silence. After narrowly escaping the commune, they hadn't considered what exactly they were going to do after they killed Father Weber. The gas indicator light flashed on and eventually shut off after being neglected for so long. Neither Cat nor Jenny paid any attention to the car or each other for what felt like hours. Eventually, the car sputtered and made a final crawl to the road's side before completely running out of gas. Jenny stared straight ahead through the windshield, her hands never leaving the steering wheel. Kat sighed and began to sob uncontrollably. We have to go back for them, Jenny. We can't just leave them there. What if they kill them because of us? Jenny turned in the driver's seat, so she was looking directly into Kat's eyes. It's all my fault. Don't take all the credit, Cat. We all had a hand in it. Okay, Heather. Open up. Ravi, I'm not a child. I just need to make sure you're taking them. I want you to get better. Uh, all gone. That's good. Now, let me go get you a snack, okay? 
Heather blew Ravi a kiss as she watched him walk out of the room towards the chow hall. Once she was certain he was out of earshot, she looked over at Jenny, who nodded before she stuck two fingers down her throat. (coughs) Instead of wrapping them in a tissue, Heather plopped the slimy, partially dissolved pills into Jenny's open palm. Disgusting, Heather. I mean, really, come on. You don't have to eat them. Just mix them into his food. A little every day. Then, we wait. Cat, stop crying. We can fix this, but we have to get out of this car. Come on, let's go towards the city. The actual escape was made on the fly, since Cat and Jenny had been waiting on Father Weber to overdose. It was just their luck that he began to react to the medication Jenny had slowly been feeding him. When she had made an impromptu visit to his cubicle, right as another cult member, Hannah, started to have a seizure. They had brazenly assumed he would overdose during the night, quietly in his sleep, without Ira or Ray's audience. Why is it taking so long? It's been almost two weeks. He's huge, Jenny. Give it time to build up in his system. Let me just give him the whole bottle at once. Heather has a bunch of pills stashed. It has to be subtle, Jenny. Do you want to get everyone out of here safely, or what? As the sun began to set, Kat and Jenny retreated from their getaway vehicle, now useless without gas, and made their way on foot towards the nearest city limits. It was a good mile and a half, but the promise of water kept their blistered feet moving. They stopped in their tracks as they breached the hill leading down to the city. It was a manufacturing district, made up of a defunct rusty rail yard, several storage facilities, repair shops, two-storey warehouses with adjoining loading bays, a blown transformer station, and long stretches of industrial wasteland. There were no houses, no restaurants, no schools, no places where any sort of stored food and drink would likely be kept. If it wasn't for the road's scorching surface temperature, Kat would have dropped to her knees and begun to weep again. Instead, she crossed her arms across her chest, letting fat teardrops run down her face unabashed. Jenny stared at Kat, unblinking. She wasn't sure if all the stress had built up and her friend was finally at her breaking point. Still, Jenny was seriously disconcerted in Kat's recent behaviour. Witnessing her cry not once, but twice in the last 24 hours, was more than she had seen her cry since they met several months ago. Jenny wasn't sure what she should do. The roles were typically reversed, and a fleeting feeling of impending doom crossed her mind. Surely if Kat thought all was lost, who was she to say otherwise? While going back and forth in her mind about what she should say or do, Jenny looked up and saw Kat was now standing stock still. Her cheeks, tearless, Her eyes narrowed. Jenny, look. Slowly, Jenny turned her head and saw movement on the ground. Brown coils slithered towards them in rapid horizontal undulations. Jenny called out to Kat to try and dissuade her from interfering in the reptile's path. She was no expert, but even she knew that oblong eyes with peaked ends, divided down the middle with an ebony slit, meant danger. An unnatural pain ripped through Kat's abdomen, and her hands began to shake. Her thoughts became cloudy, 
and her tunnel vision was solely focused on the viper racing towards her. Unable to stop herself, she reached for the snake. Jenny's frightened screams became background noise in her mind, and she dodged its threatening strike. I am just so hungry. Assuming a striking pose, the serpent lifted its head and tail off the ground menacingly. Kat was undeterred by the dramatics. Her needs became animalistic, and she dove for the snake, wrestling it to the ground. Jenny screamed and threw a piece of concrete lying next to her feet towards the snake, now wrapped around Kat's wrist. With a horrifying display, Jenny watched helplessly as Kat tumbled around the ground, the snake wrapping itself around her arm now. She had no idea if it had bit Kat, or why Kat had bothered to disturb the animal in the first place. They both had eaten before they left the compound, and prior to that, they were sometimes used to going days without food. She wondered why Kat felt the need to put her life in peril to gamble on a deadly potential food source. Hearing a snap, Jenny whipped her head around and saw Kat twisting what she assumed was the snake's neck. It fell limply off Kat's arm, now dusty and dangling lifelessly towards the ground. Kat, what the fuck? Before responding, Kat picked up the piece of concrete Jenny had pathetically thrown towards the creature and smashed it on the ground. Sorting through the debris, Kat selected a shard and used it to slice the snake's head off. Jenny covered her mouth before vomiting into a bush. Unable to find any words for what she was seeing, Jenny simply stared at Kat, who gave her an apologetic face before she tore off some of the snake meat and dropped it into her mouth. Kat offered some of her bloody rations to Jenny, but she simply waved her off. No thanks. Without another word, Kat finished the rest of the meat and motioned for Jenny and her to start walking towards the city. Oh my god, we're saved. Do you see it? Kat, look! The sky began to darken all around them as they ran towards a solitary building at the end of a winding street. They knew that the water would be far from fresh, but it would be good enough to get them through the night. Kat wasn't concerned about a group of bashers slowly congregating in the distance. Their ears perked at the sound of their footsteps running along the road. Her eyes were only focused on two words, hanging across the front of the derelict building. Public Aquarium. What's wrong with it? Salt water. I can't see anything in here. Just feel for the glass. I hope we don't run into anything. We're completely unarmed. Kat remained silent. Without Jenny's knowledge, she had slipped the small snake skull into her pocket after her last meal. She figured in an emergency she could get one good venomous prick out of the small fangs. She certainly didn't want Jenny to argue with her about who got to hold it on their person, so she kept it to herself. She watched as Jenny leaned over the side of a tank in the darkness and brought a handful of water to her sunburnt lips. Oh, the best drink I have ever tasted. Oh, so good. I don't even taste any fishiness. Oh my god, this is good. We haven't had water this fresh since before the storm. Phew. Now, I can actually think clearly without getting a headache. Okay, 
We need to gather supplies and find a car and get back to that compound. Storm the gates and save Ravi, Heather and Adrian. Cat, are you listening to me? Hello? Do you taste that? What? Something's in the water. You're nuts. It tastes perfectly fine. No, it's like metal or something. Cat, hello? We are drinking water from an old fish tank in a public aquarium. I'm sure we just ingested about 20 million bacteria per ounce. But we needed to drink. Stop worrying about the water. Come on. We need to make a rescue plan. Hold on. I... 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 I need to sit down a second. Jenny awoke in a stupefied startle. The last thing she could remember was watching a confused cat clutch her stomach and fall backward into a glass tank. After that, it was simply darkness. Terror wrenched itself through her body, but her mind was still drowsy. Wanting to scream but unable to move, Jenny came to the horrifying conclusion that her mouth was taped shut and she was tied up. She barely managed a feeble kick, despite using all her available energy. Still, the rope she was tied up with barely made any sound at all as it softly bounced off the concrete floor. Her eyes started to become adjusted to the room lighting, and she saw that she was in a workshop of some sort. She attempted to scream again, but the tape rendered her quiet. A muffled squeak barely escaped through her nose. Cat was nowhere in sight. Come looky here, Ed. It seems like one of them's up and ready to play. We need more gas. What do you think generators run on, air? Besides, we've got a little chicken in there to finish off. I'm tired of her. She's so boring now. She just lays so still and doesn't even scream anymore. And you know the best part's the very beginning. Yeah, yeah, but I ain't working in these types of conditions. I got swamp ass. After you get that gas and feed the generators, then you can have your fun. No, 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 no. I, I got it last time, so you, you go and get it yourself. Stop your lying. We both know it was me who got it. Jenny watched with morbid curiosity as the two men squabbled childishly. One grabbed a red-coloured gas can from another room and passed behind the other one, throwing up his middle finger behind his back angrily. We wouldn't run out of gas so often if you weren't such a fat ass. Shut up, you idiot. The two men continued to argue and complain at one another as they walked out of the room. Jenny waited 20 seconds before she began to kick her feet furiously, the brown rope striking the floor over and over. The deep sound of her shoes kicking concrete reverberated throughout the small-sized room. Using all her strength, she kicked and thrashed herself around on the ground. She stuck out her tongue and poked the tape over and over in a desperate attempt to locate a weak spot. She screamed as hard as she could through her nose, yelling Cat's name until her sinuses ached from the pressure. Please don't scream, lass. Jenny fell backwards on the floor in surprise. Ceasing all movement and noises until she found the source of the voice, Jenny sat perfectly still, her eyes frantically searching the room. A dirty hand hung over the side of a rusty dog crate in the corner, barely in view from her position. She narrowed her eyes as she tried to make out his form, but he was hidden in the darkness. I am just so tired of the screaming. All day and all night. Why are you dressed like that? Are you from the medieval times, eh? <laughs> Jenny looked down, 
and her memory came flooding back to her. The man was right. She was still dressed in the robe she had been wearing at the commune. She pulled her knees up to her chest while positioning one leg between the sash on her robe and the floor. With a burst of energy, she rocked back and forth, utilizing the friction of the sash to fray and eventually snap the rope that had been used to bind her ankles. Well, look at you. How clever. You're not going to get very far, but good effort. After freeing her hands, Jenny squeezed her eyes shut and counted to three before ripping off the duct tape from her mouth. Oh, where am I? I call it the House of Horrors. I have to find my friend and get the hell out of here. Where's the key to your cage? I'll let you out, but we've got to hurry before those guys come back. No way, no how. Those two idiots lost the key a while ago. And as long as I'm in here, I'm safe. Fine, whatever. Jenny listened for the men intently before she built up the courage to step into the hallway. She felt as though she walked into a whole new level of darkness. Cool air blasted her from above as she slowly and painstakingly made her way from room to room. She could hear bubbling water, machines whirring, mechanical hissing and electricity sparking, but she could see nothing. Using her hands as her eyes, she felt each new room only by outlining the door frames with her fingertips. The deeper she went into the interior, the soggier the floor became under her feet. Her footsteps squelched and sucked her downwards with every step. She could feel the air's moisture, and it became so heavy her hair clung to her neck in wet clumps. What the hell? She passed by a room and immediately backtracked towards it, when she could make out a single solitary light bulb hanging from the ceiling. The light was faded, but gave her some semblance to her surroundings. She could hear a faint humming emitting from the bulb itself, as it flickered precariously. Knowing she had no time to waste, she surveyed the room in front of her. It looked as though it were a bathroom at some point in time, but now housed several dozen fish tanks. Some of the tanks had filters running, while others stood stagnant and covered in filth. The room smelled dank and of mildew. She took one step inside the room, and her foot was entirely submerged in several inches of water. Jenny shuddered and removed her foot from the standing water, her socks now completely soaked. She had no idea how the water was so deep in there, or how the doorframe kept the water separate from the rest of the wet flooring in the hallway. Something from one of the aquariums in the room hissed and splashed water from the tank's top. Not wanting to give up the light, but desperately wanting to flee from the watery hell, she begrudgingly left the bathroom and continued down the hallway to find Cat or an exit. Jenny froze as a door to another room down the hall opened and slammed shut. Her heartbeat began to throb in her ears, blocking out all other sounds. A heavy pair of boots stomped through the water towards her. She couldn't see the figure, but she imagined one of the two men she had seen earlier, and her heart thundered vigorously in her chest. Her knee struck a wooden protrusion, and she realized she was standing in front of some sort of end table. The wood was soft from being waterlogged, but the space was just big enough for her to wedge herself underneath. Trying to splash around as little as possible, Jenny dove under the table and pulled her knees up alongside her stomach, slouching down as far as she could without her mouth touching the dirty water. I don't know why you're always touching my stuff. You ain't getting a spare this time. Jenny held her breath as she watched one of them stomp around the table she was hiding underneath. He held a lantern out in front of him, and Jenny could see a snarl plastered across his face. 
he passed right by her without looking in her direction. Breathing heavily, the man stomped into a room catty-corner to her hiding spot. She watched as he cursed and opened what sounded like a dresser or a filing cabinet. Rummaging around for several moments, he eventually fished out a ring of keys and slammed the drawer shut. She closed her eyes as heavy boots stomped back down the hallway. This time she didn't waste any time before scrambling out from under the table and continued her way down the hall. Her robe dragged heavily behind her as she walked quickly into yet another room as softly as possible. This room had tile flooring, and Jenny made the mistake of coming in too quickly, having been accustomed to the soggy carpet in the halls thus far. Her feet slid out from under her, and she fell hard on her knees. A short grunt escaped her lips, but she quickly recovered and clambered to her feet again. She took a step forward, and her foot caught something sturdy. Slowly, Jenny reached for the object, and her hands came in contact with cold porcelain. Alarm bells sounded in her head as she reached into the tub and felt the water's icy chill. Her fingers brushed against frigid flesh, bloated and motionless within the tub, and she stifled a scream. As Jenny continued to make her way through the maze of the building, a floodlight illuminated her body as she stepped through a narrow hallway. She could see she was now inside the main interior of the aquarium. A large tank was centered on display, while the flooring she stood on circled around the exterior portion of the tank. She didn't see either of the two men, or anyone else for that matter, and determined the floodlight was motion activated. Her eyes soon became adjusted to the light, and she could see there were creatures swimming laps down below in the murky waters. To her right, the wall was lined with aquariums inset within the wall itself, each window into the tank smudged and cracked. Jenny walked further into the room, and the water in the large tank below her began to buzz with energy. The creatures in the water splashed her with a stench-filled liquid. She tried to see exactly what the creatures were, still she could only catch glimpses of dark brown mottling and wriggling tails as they continued to aggressively stir up the water. Jenny turned to her right, and she could see a set of large double doors at the very edge of the room. Without warning, she took off running towards the doors, her feet sliding from side to side as she attempted to keep balance despite the lubricous state of the concrete flooring. She was halfway to the double doors when a small cough made her stop dead in her tracks. Her head whipped around towards the source of the noise, and she caught a glimpse of wet hair splayed across the back of a blue barrel. If it wasn't for the sound, Jenny wouldn't have given the barrel a second glance. It was only when she really looked at it did she notice what looked like human hair hanging over the side of it. Cautiously, she approached the barrel from behind, her drenched shoes squashing with water with every step she took. Hello? The head turned slightly, and Jenny gasped as she came face to face with a young woman. Are you hurt? Leave me. No, I can't just leave you here. Let me help you get out of that barrel. Can you stand? I died a long time ago. Just let me help you. I... I can't. Please. No. Get the hell out of here. The young woman rested her cheek on the barrel's side, her eyes staring straight through Jenny's. A small, sad smile toyed at the edges of her lips. 
It's dinner time. sound. It's not going to hurt for too long. <laughs> oh, come on. Ed, did you cut the fucking breaker again? Cat watched as the man angrily shook his drill before slamming it down on his workbench. He turned to look at her watching him, and he pulled back a fist as though he were going to sucker punch her in the face. She closed her eyes and tensed up, waiting for the impact. Instead, She felt his clammy hand stroke her cheek, almost kindly. She opened her eyes to see him wiggle his eyebrows at her suggestively. He laughed when he saw her wrinkle her nose at him. Come on now, honey. Don't be like that. I hate to mess up a pretty face like yours, but uh, what can I say? (laughs) I gotta feed my pets. (laughs) He rifled around in his toolbox before producing a metallic clamp. He held it close to her face so she could see the small needle-like teeth that serrated the inner mechanism. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah, this might be more fun. That, that drill is pretty noisy. Cat narrowed her eyes at him and tried to frown through the duct tape, sealing her mouth shut. Her arms ached from the awkward position that he had her tied up in. Reaching towards her with the clamp, Cat once again squeezed her eyes shut tightly and waited for the pain. It came seconds later in the form of white-hot heat on her inner thigh. Her screams were muffled through the tape, but she didn't stop, no matter how quiet they sounded. She felt her energy begin to seep out of her as the blood flushed out through her wound. The man laughed again and waved the clamp in her face, crimson droplets flecked from the serrated edge. As he turned around to retrieve another instrument, Kat noticed he hadn't retied her legs together. She seized the opportunity and used all the strength she possessed to kick him in his lower back, hoping she struck him on or close to his kidney. The blow was powerful and vicious, and Cat had wielded it with such hard-hitting prejudice as if her life depended on it. He stopped instantly, paralysed on his feet for about a second, before he dropped to the floor as though he had been electrocuted. Cat never heard a sound as powerful as the one that emitted from the man's pitiful mouth as he wailed, clutching his back and rolling from side to side on the floor. I'm gonna kill you, you little bitch. Oh, holy hell, that hurt. Oh, Ed, get your ass down here. One of them's escaping. Cat jumped up and located the bloody clamp on the bench and used it to cut the rope on her wrists. Her leg was still bleeding heavily, so she grabbed a rag from the floor and tied it tightly around her thigh, utilizing it as a makeshift tourniquet. The man on the floor continued to howl in pain as she stepped over his body. She contemplated kicking him again, in the face this time, to shut him up. But as far as she knew, his screams had already alerted his cohort, and she had no time to lose to make her escape. Outside of the room was pure darkness, but she sped further into the building with danger at every turn, looking for any and all signs of Jenny or an exit. As she ran, Kat became acutely aware she could be running straight into even more danger. Her fears came to fruition as she collided with a rotund figure in the hallway. Unable to see their face, she pushed away from them, her hands colliding with soft flesh. You're a bad little chicken. 
Escape from your cage. The large man grabbed Cat by the throat and began to throttle her angrily. She reached for her pocket, but he pushed her roughly against the wall. Get off of me! Shut up, you! Holding a camping lantern out in front of him, the man she had kicked earlier hobbled into view. He clutched his side with one arm protectively and glared at Cat. The room flooded with light, and she could see both of them in full view for the first time. Careful with that one now. I am not done with her yet. You gonna let her run away again? Nah. I got her this time. The man that held Cat in a chokehold against the wall forcefully shoved her towards the other man. He eyed her with a bewildering face of disappointment before motioning her forward down the hallway, still holding the lantern. Jenny ducked behind the barrel, hiding her body as a bell sounded on the other side of the room. The girl in the barrel sighed and closed her eyes. See? I told you. Who's the fish? Jenny peeked around the barrel side and watched one of the men walk towards the tank in the centre of the room, carrying a metal pail. He rang a little brass bell again. The water inside the tank swelled to life with hundreds of wriggling creatures, smacking the air with their snake-like tails and muscular bodies. He began to throw pieces of meat towards the tank, and the creatures went into a frenzy, jaws snapping aggressively at one another. Jenny couldn't tell exactly what was inside the tank. The creatures possessed qualities from that of a fish and of a snake. A piece of meat landed just outside the water at the edge of the tank. Before the men could toss it into the water, one of the creatures flopped up on the concrete and pulled itself across the floor. The man groaned and stomped over towards the creature, kicking both it and the meat back into the water. The creature resurfaced and hissed at him before swimming off into the murkiness. Another man entered the room, hobbling on one leg as if he were injured. The two men conversed and became excited. For fuck's sake, man, another one? Can you do anything right? Oh, come on. Now, it's not my fault. She's got to be around here somewhere. Yeah, you better hope so. Who the hell are those guys? Why do they keep people here? The woman in the barrel shifted slightly, sending a small wave of water over the side, which splashed onto Jenny. Without thinking, Jenny screamed as the water touched her. The two men turned their heads towards the noise, locating her immediately. The large one galloped in her direction, while the smaller man hobbled along behind him. But Jenny couldn't stop screaming. The water that flowed out of the barrel wasn't clear, but retained the variegated remains of submerged, sloughed-off human skin. Kat willed herself to stay awake, but she had lost so much blood out of her leg wound that her energy was waning fast. After she had been recaptured, she was forcefully strapped to a rolling table and wheeled to the other side of the building. She began to shiver uncontrollably, and the man pushing the table snorted. Serves you right, you stupid bitch. The table stopped moving, and Kat tried to look around, but the man angrily slapped her across the face. Her ears started ringing, and she felt the sting long after he pulled his hand away. Now you look when I tell you to look, you hear? Cat didn't respond as he roughly pulled her up from the table. You're gonna like it here. It's, it's one of my favorites. Who are you? Don't you worry your pretty head about that. 
Why are you doing this? Well, why not? Why are you torturing innocent people? <laughs> like you have any room to talk. I'll be pissing blood for a week, thanks to you. You left me no choice. The man dropped Cat into a plastic tub and turned on a spigot overhead. She gasped as the water rapidly filled the tub, her clothing becoming soaked with freezing, fetid water. Please don't do this! We should be helping each other! He shut off the water as it reached just under her chin from her sitting position within the tub. Mm. Nope. Doesn't sound like fun. He reached deep into the water and roughly pulled out her arms, rebound at the wrists, and pulled them back up over her head, making her hands touch her shoulder blades. Before she could further protest, she was chained to a pipe, running behind the tub, her arms already beginning to ache before he even left the room. See? Now isn't this neat? The man shoved her face into the cold, dirty water. She came up gasping and coughing as he watched nearby, his face full of glee. He laughed sadistically and walked towards another tank at the far side of the room. <laughs> See? I-, I told you this was a great room! We aren't even to the best part yet. (laughs) His hand disappeared inside the tank for a second, before resurfacing with a slimy, wriggling creature. Cat watched the creature hiss and try to squirm out of his grasp, but he squeezed onto its body tightly. The jaws snapped and blood dripped off his thumb. Stop biting me, damn it! Save it for the girl! What is that thing? Get it away from me! He's just a little bitty baby. Don't mind him. I saved the bigger ones for later on. Now you all stay here and get acquainted, and I'll I'll be back a little while later. Now, Ruger, you be a good boy and make sure our guest behaves herself. No, please! Don't leave me in the dark with this thing, please! But he was already walking out of the room, whistling pleasantly to himself. Cat's arms burned with fatigue from her unusual position. She could feel the creature swimming around in the tub, its sharp dorsal fins brushing against her legs. An urge to scream boiled up within her, but she suppressed it instead, closing her eyes and centering herself, willing herself to be lost in weightlessness. Jenny felt her own tears running down her cheeks, but was unable to wipe them away. After her screams had given her position away, the two men had caught her and tied her up again, this time kicking and screaming as they dragged her to the aquarium's basement. She longed to be back in the commune compared to where she and Cat had ended up. She wondered if Cat was even still alive at this point. She thought she would have at least seen or heard her somewhere in the building after she had escaped. She had trekked through so many rooms and wondered at the vastness of the entire facility. Hello? Jasper, where the fuck did you go? Uh... God damn it. Jenny strained her ears to try and listen to the conversation on the walkie-talkie. She didn't know how she was hearing the conversation between the two sets, but she could tell it was between her two captors. Is there someone else here? I can't see a thing. Yes, love. Do not be afraid. It is only I. Who are you? I heard you calling. So, I am here. I wasn't calling for you. I don't even know who or what you are. (laughs) 
want to get out of here and go home. How do you expect to free yourself? You are chained with a metal rope. You're weak. I'll figure it out. I have to get out of here. It can't end for me like this. It's no use, love. They are going to kill you. Just like all the others. But why are they doing this? Who are they? They're monsters, of course. Real, life, evil. Makes it all the more terrifying, don't you agree? How long have you been down here? I go where I am called. I just... It's just becoming so pointless now. Yes, so sad. Why even bother? (laughs) Are all Americans like this? Is this your question? I, I came here on holiday. I had imagined Disney World, beaches, shopping. My boyfriend and I, we were going to get married. I saw the ring in his carry-on, but then... Tell me more, love. Where is he now? I don't want to talk about it. Just shut up. What the fuck? Who are you? I do not tolerate disrespect. Those who call for me receive my presence. This disrespect is what created the punishment in the first place. Stop saying that. I never called for you. I don't even know who you are. Why are you here? Why do you ask questions for which you already know the answer to? My time is precious and you are starting to waste it. I don't know what you want from me. Jenny gasped as she felt a cool sensation on her throat, as if someone had thrown a bucket of water on her chest. The water formed a tangible grasp and began to squeeze her windpipe, but the chains prevented her from fending off the intruder. Cat's body lies still and is primarily submerged inside the tub. A solitary drop of water hung off the overhead spigot, threatening to drop on her head. Her eyes blinked as she watched the man walk into the room, pushing the rolling table. His mouth curled into a sinister smile when he saw her lying, silent in the water. Did you have a good night here? The man laughed as he unhooked her chain from the pipe behind her. Her body was completely limp like a doll, and he grunted as he lifted her dead weight out of the water and back onto the rolling table. He surveyed her body for injuries as he quickly secured her hands and feet to the table. She said nothing as he walked back over to the tub and swished the water around. Ooh, that water's got a chill to it now, huh? (laughs) Where's Ruger? Cat stared off into space, not acknowledging the man's words. He continued to splash around the tub. His face started to turn pink with anger. Did he get out somehow? Look at me when I'm talking to you, girl. The man took Kat's shoulders between his hands and began to shake her furiously. Her disregard for his interrogation threw him into a rage. A muffled hiss escaped from Kat's closed lips, and he stopped shaking her momentarily. You open up that mouth of yours. What you got in there? He tried to pry her lips apart, but she waited until he was beaten, red with fury. In a sudden motion, Kat released the tension in her jaw and out slid the creature's gruesome remains. The man scrambled backwards, landing on his tailbone with an intense thud. She smiled as she spits out three of the creature's fins. 
jagged and coated in a viscous black substance. What the hell did you do to him? He should have ripped you to shreds. Cat couldn't help but be pleased with the fear she heard in his voice. What the hell is going on here? Cat turned her head slightly and stared at the pipe running along the wall behind them. She closed her eyes and could feel the water running through it. It thundered through her chest and she felt her energy returning to her. The man scrambled to his feet, but he was too late. Cat was already sliding the chains off of her arms and legs. How are you doing that? She smiled as she hovered her hand over the top of the tub. Your first mistake was leaving me alone in the water. The pressure on her throat subtly lessened until Jenny could finally breathe normally again. She coughed and took deep breaths, savouring every oxygen-filled moment. And here I was, naively assuming that survivors had one common enemy. (laughs) Humanity is evil. Always has been. Although Jenny was terrified of the entity speaking to her, she desperately wanted to know where it was in the basement near her. She also wanted to gauge its feelings towards her. Maybe if she could get it to keep talking, she could figure out what it was or what it wanted from her. There are some good people. There are various degrees of evil, but no, humans cannot be classified as inherently good. What do you know anyway? You're just a shadow. If you're not going to help me, then why did you come? I must be going nuts talking to the dark. I need to focus and get the hell out of here. And go where? Back to a group of people who don't care about you? They do? (laughs) A memory was forced to the front of Jenny's brain in an instant. A memory she had been suppressing since it happened. She attempted to ignore the memory, but it persisted, pushed there by some unknown power. She opened her eyes in her vision. She saw Father Weber next to her, barely able to support his own weight as his legs bowed outwardly, one hand leaning on a thick metal crutch. His smell overpowered the event, despite being held outdoors under the back awning of the commune. She watched as beads of sweat glided down his gluttonous neck, darkening the already large sweat stains throughout his shirt. Iris stood proudly in front of them, beaming with excitement. This beautiful woman and I will now be joined together as one. Don't make me do this. Please don't make me do this. Father Weber ignored her and gestured Ira forward. Now the ceremonial rings, Ira. Here you go, Father. By the power granted to me by the provider, I now declare us husband and wife. You don't mean anything to them. Jenny was thrust back into the present darkness and shackled in the aquarium basement. She knew that the entity speaking to her made her replay that horrible moment in her life, and she hated it even more. You're lying. Kat didn't even know it was happening. Nobody did. Nobody could have stopped it. You're nobody's equal. They don't treat you like one, and they never will. Rage burned deep within Jenny, 
and she disregarded the thought of potentially being strangled again. Am I imagining you? Surely something powerful wouldn't need to hide in the shadows of a dark room? I told you I don't have time to bother with imbecilic questions. You summoned me. Jenny could hear the stretching of sinewy flesh as it groaned and snapped, bones breaking, and the distinct sound of ripping cartilage from the direction where the voice was coming. She could not see anything happening, but the sounds paralysed her with consternation. The voice crackled and came out much deeper now, both authoritative and animalistic in nature. Ask me what you summoned me here for, human. Jenny still didn't know what the voice meant, but rather than further incurring its wrath, she asked the first question that popped into her mind. Who are those men upstairs? What are they going to do to us? The voice screamed. The sound, a frightening cacophony of horror-filled sonnets, pierced the air like a frigid wind. Jenny shuddered deeply and closed her eyes despite the darkness. As quickly as the screaming started, it stopped. The silence was deafening, and Jenny knew she was once again alone in the room. What the hell are you yelling about down here? Scared of the dark, are you? There's something down here with me. Over there, in the corner. A light switch was flipped on, and the room began to brighten as the bulb slowly warmed up. Yeah, look at that giant spooky spider web. <laughs> Just your mind playing tricks on you, girl. Please take me upstairs. I don't want to be down here anymore. I'm busy right now. We'll play together soon. Don't you worry. Ed, Jasper, come in. Over. What the fuck do you want? Did you find them? Over. We got them. It's all that matters. Good. I'll pick them up tomorrow. Over. Listen, you little shit. We don't work for you or with you, so you can fuck right off. They're ours. But I gave you Sam. How are you going to forget our agreement? Over. We had dealings with your daddy. He got to use them, then he turned them over to us. Ever since his greedy ass been just keeping all the girls for himself, wanted to start his little community, there ain't no more agreement. The contract is null and void. I would have thought you took the hint when we ran your ass off the road up on old 95. Consider your little problem with a mutual interest. These women belong to this compound. You're in direct violation of our- Oh, blow it out your ass, boy. These girls are ours. I dealt with your daddy. Since he's given up the ghost, we ain't dealing with any more of you. Y'all ain't nothing but a bunch of liars. Starring Journey Brown St. Tell, Andrew Quintero, Emily Husband, Chai Dumebi Njuko Brown, Esther Payne, Allegra Rodriguez Shivers, and Gina Pietromonaco. This episode also features the voice talents of Greg Thomas, Dakota Adams, Sandy Jack, Ashley Couture, George Alex, Abby Love, Christopher Power, and me, Joe Quickle. Story written by Courtney Holloway. Sound designed by Christopher Jarvis at the Radio Theater Workshop. Music composed by Peter Clef, Bradley Parsons, and Konstantin Nesiarovich. Help us grow by rating, reviewing, and subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts.
You can listen to classical and brand new audio dramas through the Mutual Audio Network. Subscribe through Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or iHeartRadio today. There's eight different podcasts, one for each day of the week and genre. And the Mutual Audio Network broadcast feed so you don't miss a day of your favorite shows. Subscribe to Mutual Audio tonight. Good night.